This episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast is brought to you by Shock Strap. Shock Straps are the unique shock absorbing tie down that feature a built in urethane shock absorber made to keep tension on the strap and your load secure. With over 100,000 satisfied clients and 14 years of secure loads, Shock Straps are built to last. Go check them out at shockstrap.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational, to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 142, entitled Power Waking Your Way to Profit. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week and downloading those episodes, as well as for the questions, the comments, and the feedback that you guys have been sending through. Well, it is finally springtime here uh, where I'm based, and hopefully uh, you guys are all starting to mow. I know a couple of you guys, I've been posting uh, some pictures of my first week of mowing, and a couple of you guys have commented that, uh, you know, the snow is still, uh, uh, you know, pretty heavy where you are. One person even commented that the snow was uh, halfway up the doors uh, on their house uh, in height. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were uh, just uh, waiting for, uh, you know, the melt to come so that uh, they could hopefully start to uh, uh, mow again. Uh, and uh, I really feel for you guys. I am not a winter person at all. I totally, uh, you know, love the spring and summertime those are my favorite seasons uh, and so uh, I am completely enjoying uh, the uh, weather here and uh, being able to start uh, that first week of mowing. It's always a chaotic week um, because, uh, you know, the phone just starts ringing off the hook. It's amazing how it goes from completely silent uh, through the winter time to, you know, the first nice warm week uh, with the sun coming out and the phone just goes nuts. Uh, and I'm already, you know, uh, just starting out uh, for this week and I'm already having trouble keeping up with the calls and returning calls uh, and that uh, and being able to do the work uh, at the same time of the jobs uh, that I already have from existing customers. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a good problem to have, of course. Uh, so I'm not complaining in that sense. Uh, just uh, always interesting to me how it goes uh, gangbusters. It's like turning on a, a tap uh, from completely dry to full flow all at once. Uh, so, uh, you know, being spring, uh, I just want to remind you guys as well, if you're looking at outfitting your trailers uh, and you uh, are thinking about those equipment defender racks, uh, that you can check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash equipment defender. And don't forget that uh, I've got that coupon code that you can use to save yourself 10% off your order. Uh, so when you get to, to the checkout, doesn't matter what you're buying there on their website, uh, there's a section there for the discount code at the checkout. And my discount code is LCBS10. Uh, that's, of course, stands for Lawn Care Business Success uh, and 10, 10 for 10% off. So LCBS10 is the coupon code to get 10% off your order of Equipment Defender. So 
I've had uh, kind of an interesting experience uh, this past week, um, being uh, you know uh, the start of the season and all. My uh, local equipment dealer uh, always has a annual uh, what they call a contractor demo day. So uh, they actually host this uh, a few blocks away from their uh, shop. At a local park, they take out a permit with the city and stuff, and uh, they have uh, a bunch of tents set up. Uh, they bring in, uh, you know, porta potties and stuff. Uh, they've got food tents and stuff. Uh, they, uh, you know, make a bunch of uh, free food for everybody who's coming uh, to check out. And then, of course, they have uh, all of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, representatives of the manufacturers of some of the equipment that they carry uh, in their stores. And you can, of course, uh, turn on and uh, run anything you want and take stuff for a spin uh, and try things out. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a really uh, well put on, um, you know, event each and every year. I look forward to it. They uh, have a registration desk at the the front um, where you uh, just confirm uh, your registration. Uh, there, of course, it's all free, uh, and they give you a uh, – every year you get a, a T-shirt, Um from the event so it uh the, has the dealer's name on it and uh, it's just these you know screen printed t-shirts with some cool graphics and stuff on them uh, and every year it's a different shirt uh, so i always look forward to adding to my uh, collection i think i have uh, 13 of them now i've been going every single year since i started uh, my lawn care business uh, and I still uh, wear the shirts uh, pretty much, uh, you know, uh, on a daily basis uh, after work. When I get home and take a shower, I'll throw on uh, one of those T-shirts. So I look forward to that. Uh, and uh, I got to actually um, try out and run my uh, very first uh, stand-on mower. Well, not essentially the very first uh, stand-on mower. Uh, because like I said, uh, previously on the podcast, um, I did, uh, see a guy across from one of the lawns I was mowing. He was doing a commercial uh, property. It was actually a church, uh, and he was using a skag, um, V ride, uh, last year, a 36 inch V ride. It was a, quite an older machine. It was pretty run down and beat. Um, but, uh, you know, I went over to talk to him to ask him how he liked it. And, uh, he asked if I wanted to jump on it. So I, you know, got on it and I maybe went about five feet or so, uh, on it. I didn't want to, uh, you know, wreck the guy's machine. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was, uh, the only previous other experience, but, uh, at this demo day, uh, of course, like I said, you could try out, uh, you know, pretty much anything you wanted. And they had this little course set up, um, with some stakes in the ground. Um, it was kind of like a little racetrack that you could, uh, drive around. It had a bunch of hairpin corners and things so that you could, uh, you know, try the maneuverability of different, uh, machines. Uh, and, uh, you know, the stakes were, uh, in the ground, uh, with ribbons tied around them. So you couldn't actually leave the course. You had to make it all the way through. Uh, so I got to, uh, try out, uh, the 36 inch Toro grandstand. Got a quick little lesson from the uh, Toro rep there and, uh, was able to, uh, uh, you know, take that for a spin. So that was my first real official uh, ride. And I have to say it was pretty easy to, uh, 
you know, uh, drive one of those, uh, Toro grandstands. It was, uh, you know, very maneuverable, but the, um, you know, controls were very familiar to me. Um, they were, you know, pretty much exactly like a sit down zero turn, um, except you're standing and leaning against that, uh, uh, front pad. And, uh, you know, you've got those, uh, uh, metal bars, um, on the top to uh, hold on to so that you're uh, not falling off because you're of course not seated. Uh, but the actual uh, levers and controls there were uh, pretty much exactly like a zero turn. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, I have to say I was, uh, you know, using the machine. And I was like, you know, I could really get used to this. My only concern would be, uh, again, the weight uh, that I've always had issues with machines uh, and their weight. Um, but uh, it convinced me more than ever that, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, uh, I probably wouldn't buy a new one uh, because I don't know. Like I said, uh, you know, if it would really suit my business because of the weight and stuff, it looks like it would be good. Um, you know, the walk behind has been, uh, you know, pretty good, uh, but then it's a lot less weight. Uh, with the 36 inch turf tracer that I've been using. Uh, but it convinced me that if, uh, you know, I've seen two of the Toro grandstands in a 36 inch size come up for sale last year. Uh, and, uh, in both cases, you know, because of being unsure about them, uh, you know, I didn't really contact the person right away. It was sort of humming and hawing. And of course, by the time I thought, okay, maybe I'll go look at them. Uh, they had, uh, in both cases had sold. So this convinced me that, okay, now I've ridden one, I've tried it out on that little course, uh, that if, you know, a used one were to pop up, that I would probably go and look at it and uh, possibly purchase it and take a shot on it, um, you know, especially uh, if it was a second-hand machine where I wouldn't be paying the full price for it and losing that sort of initial depreciation, uh, sort of uh, in the case where I'm at, where it's uh, uh, basically taking a chance on whether uh, I would be able to use it or whether it would be too heavy for the resident residential lawns that I do um, that tend to be pretty soggy. Uh, and soft when you walk on them. Uh, so, you know, it just uh, gave me a brief glimmer of hope that uh, maybe I can uh, add one of those uh, to my arsenal of mowers in the future. Uh, 36 would probably be the maximum size I'd be able to use. Um, I'd actually prefer something smaller, uh, maybe a 34. I know I don't think anybody makes a 34. I know that Wright makes a 32. The Wrights aren't available here. Um, and I also would want a floating deck to be able to adjust the heights on the fly. But um, yeah, a 34, I think, would be pretty neat if somebody came up uh, with a 34-inch stander. Uh, just would guarantee being able to get through gates and stuff uh, and, uh, you know, get uh, a lot of that done and uh, would give enough of a margin over the 21-inch mower uh, to justify uh, using it. Uh, so the other interesting that thing that happened actually while I was looking uh, at that 36-inch Toro was uh, that I got recognized uh, for the first time in person. So this really kind of took me back because I wasn't expecting it. Um, and uh, I just heard my name being called and uh, this, uh, uh, you know, nice guy comes up to me and uh 
starts thanking me for the podcasts and for the videos and stuff and uh, said that, uh, you know, he started his business um, a year or two. Yeah, last year. It was his first uh, year and that he used a lot of the information uh, from the podcast and from uh, others online as well. Uh, he named off a few uh, YouTubers that he's been watching uh, that we all know and, uh you know, was uh, saying how he enjoyed all of their content as well and was sort of, uh, you know, using everybody's content together uh, and, uh, you know, building his business that first year. So like I say, it was very strange to have somebody actually, uh, you know, in a public place call my name and uh, know, um, you know, what I've done. Um, you know, it's pretty quiet for me here in Canada uh, when I look at all of my podcast stats, all of the downloads on iTunes, um, even the, you know, YouTube videos that I've been doing lately and looking at, you know, the audience and all the analytics for that. Um, even that it's, uh, you know, most of the audience, uh, is based in the United States. Over 70% of my audience on uh, every platform, including even Instagram, um, is originating in the U.S. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that rest, um, of the, uh, audience there, uh, the remaining amount, uh, is spread out amongst, uh, all of the other countries. Um, so, it was interesting that, uh, you know, I got recognized and like I say, it just took me by surprise, uh, but it was a totally enjoyable experience. We, uh, you know, uh, chatted for a while. We've hung out for a bit, uh, talked about some equipment, uh, that we were looking and walking around. He was, uh, discussing, uh, some of the equipment, uh, that, uh, he was looking to purchase. Uh, we talked a bit about that and he asked me a question about, um, power raking, and, uh, you know, when the best time to power rake that, you know, he didn't know anything about power raking or how to clean it up or how to do that. And coincidentally, um, I also got a question on Instagram from a listener, uh, I believe in uh, the UK, uh, that was asking as well for, um, some more technical type, uh, podcast, um, episodes, uh, and, uh, was asking if I could do, uh, some episodes, uh, like I said, that were more, uh, of the technical variety. Um, and, uh, so his question was, um, I'd love you to cover some technical stuff on the podcast, like the best and worst times to do, um, these jobs for people new to lawn care like me. Um, and he's referring to a previous question where he asked, uh, uh, hi, Julio, can I, uh, scarcify a lawn in the rain? Uh, so scarcify or scarcifying, uh, for those uh, of you that may not uh, know is, uh, basically power raking, um, uh, lawns, uh, just a, a different, uh, term for it. Uh, so I thought that would be, uh, you know, a, a great episode as well. Um, it's one of those things, and that's why the suggestions and questions, and I'm always encouraging you guys to reach out and ask me those questions, and you can do that um, either by email. Um, you can go to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact and leave me a question there. Uh, you can reach out to me, say, on Instagram. Uh, send me, a uh, you know, a direct uh, message there, um, and uh, you can also go 
go to longcarebusinesssuccess.com if you're not into uh, typing out a long-winded question um, and use the leave voicemail tab uh, on the side there. Just click on that and, uh, you know, record your message uh, to me and I'll get that uh, as well. And it's so important because when I'm doing these episodes, um, you know, I'm thinking of topics uh, off of the top of my head. And, uh, of course, after going on to uh, three years now of doing a weekly lawn care podcast, 142 episodes in, um, you know, I often overlook um, the topics I've covered uh, and what topics I haven't covered. Uh, so, you know, it's very uh, helpful when you guys can ask questions because you guys are the ones, you know, directly listening to these episodes and you can spot the holes of things where I may have missed or things that you need more clarification on uh, or things that you want help on. Uh, and of course, you know, when I'm sitting here behind the microphone and I'm just chatting away about it, you know, in my mind, I'm covering everything uh, that I'm covering. Um, so it's, uh, you know, for a, uh, because I've been through all of it, it's hard for me to recall uh, what I've covered and what I haven't covered. Uh, but you guys listening, of course, like I said, it's easy, uh, especially if you're starting out, uh, where you can spot those holes of uh, topics I may have missed uh, that you want uh, maybe some more information on. And of course, if it's something that I've done, uh, you know, in my business, then I can give you my uh, basically my two cents on it. Uh, so that leads us to this uh, week's episode on uh, power raking your way to profit. Uh, so uh I'm just going to play the podcast announcements and then we'll get into the episode right after this. So stay tuned. Hey guys, if you have any questions or comments about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact. And while you're there, why not join my mailing list and get access to a free PDF document of a landscape maintenance contract you can feel free to copy and use in your own business. For you Instagram users out there, be sure to follow me at Lawn Care Business Success. And if you haven't checked out my videos yet, well, what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the Lawn Care Business Success YouTube channel. Now, I know you guys love listening to audio while you work as much as I do, so I've partnered up with Audible to offer you guys a free 30-day trial and two free audiobooks of your choice. There's no long-term commitments, and you can cancel any time. And get this. Even if you cancel during your free trial period, you still get to keep the two free audiobooks. It's a great way to try the service and to see if Audible is right for you. So why not give it a try? Head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash audible. Now back to the show. Okay, so springtime uh, for me is the time of year where I do my power raking and dethatching. Uh, now, this may be different for you depending on where uh, you live. Um, so just take, you know, this information, what I am uh, going to discuss here uh, with a grain of salt and just basically uh, understand that this is what works for me. In this region of the world that I live in, basically the Pacific Northwest of uh, the United States, Canada region, this uh, little spot here. Uh, and uh, this is what works for us. We get uh, really wet weather throughout most of the year. Uh, you know, then the springtime comes. It's still uh, pretty rainy, but we do get that sunshine coming through. Uh, so it's a nice mix of moisture and sunshine and warmer temperatures. Uh, traditionally, then we get a complete drought uh, in the summertime. 
where there's no rain for a few months. Uh, lawns typically turn very dry and crunchy. They look like hay. Uh, and then uh, in the fall, the rains begin again. Things start to green up, uh, but the rains become pretty heavy at times. Uh, so this is why I power rake now in the spring. I know a lot of people do this sort of stuff in the fall, uh, but here in the fall, like I said, you know, things will start to green up, but there's just so much rain uh, and not enough sun that if I were to power rake uh, and do say a lawn reno at that time, uh, you know, for the most part, I'm not guaranteed that the results are going to turn the way I want them to, that the sun, uh, you know, there's not enough sun for the new seed to take, uh, and to establish, um, a good enough root system before, uh, the winter comes. So for us, and then the winter, of course, is brutal here with just the amount of rain. And uh, I've seen so many times with homeowners doing it where they're putting seed in the fall. And uh, it just, uh, you know, it looks nice for maybe a month or so as the seedlings are starting to come up. But because of all the rain and the cold weather, you know, the temperature starts dropping uh, and the morning frost and stuff there in the fall, um, you know, it quickly uh, all dies off and uh, you know through the rest of the winter you see their uh, lawns and it's just patches of dirt uh, everywhere because uh, you know nothing uh, survived so that's why you know this sort of formula that I came up with for me over the past 13 years has proven to work in fact um, you know when I'm quoting a lawn renovation um basically, which includes uh, moss control because of all the rain. We get a lot of moss growing in lawns here. So moss control, power raking, aerating, overseeding, lime, fertilizer, and top dressing. Um, you know, I will tell a client that, uh, you know, I'm doing all the steps to, um, you know, guarantee results. But uh, of course, I can't guarantee the results fully because I can guarantee that I'm doing all the steps that are required. But once I'm done, it's up to the client to make sure that that lawn is watered every day um, to ensure those results. Obviously, if they water for, you know, the first week and then uh, kind of get uh, fed up with uh, having to go out there and make sure the lawn is uh, properly uh, watered uh, and they start to cut back the watering, then, you know, the success of those uh, uh, seedlings uh, germinating and uh, growing properly and not drying out, uh, you know, is uh, adversely affected. So, I always tell the customers that I guarantee that every, everything I'm doing is, you know, what we've talked about and everything that's needed for success. But, uh, of course, uh, then it goes to them and uh, they need to keep that uh, watered and moist. So on the power raking side here, uh, as far as the sort of the technical, what I have found to work with power raking. Uh, so I basically call power raking and dethatching two different things. Um at least this is how I explain it to my customers and how I have it uh, sort of laid out on my uh, lawn care company's website as two different services. So if, uh, you know, somebody's looking for a dethatching, I generally basically call that as having the tines on the machine. So if you're not familiar with a power raking machine, basically uh, it looks like a small lawnmower. It's got a bunch of these little tines or teeth at the bottom uh, that are sort of loosely, um, they kind of swing around in there uh, when the, you know, when the mower or the 
power raker is turned on and you uh, engage the lever that tensions a pulley which starts to turn those tines there's a couple uh, two sets of teeth basically that rotate um, and uh, it basically mimics the uh, raking motion of using say a rake on a lawn like a hand rake uh, but just does this in a powered version, obviously. Uh, so when I'm doing, um, a dethatching, um, I refer to the dethatching as a sort of gentler process. Uh, so I'll, you can adjust the height of how deep those power raking tines dig into the soil. Uh, of course, the deeper you have it going into the soil, the harder it is to control the machine. It starts to bounce around as those teeth are hitting uh, the ground. So you're, you're not going crazy with this. I think, uh, you know, the most you'd ever want your tines to sort of uh, dig into the soil is maybe at the most a quarter of an inch. Um, and even then, um, you know, it could be a, a bit of an issue. Uh, but generally what you want uh, to do is uh, set your machine on a hard surface, like a sidewalk or so. Uh, you want to lower the tines. Of course, the machine is not on now. Uh, you have the machine turned off. You put it on a concrete surface. Uh, you lower the tines because there's also a lever on the side that can raise and lower the tines. Um, you you can manually spin the tines so that the the tines are at the lowest point that they would reach. And then you release that uh, lever. And what you want to do is just adjust the height so that the bottom of those tines are just touching the concrete surface. Um, and that's all that you want. Uh, and that would be your height adjustment. That's what I normally do. Uh, and that's what I have found to uh, work uh, the best. From there, you can, you know, once you're doing the job, you can minutely adjust it uh, if you need to go in a little bit deeper, or a little bit higher. But generally, that is the setting I start with is uh, just having the bottom of those tines touching uh, the concrete surface um, when you have it in the lowered position. So like I said, you want to make sure that uh, that drum or reel that's at the bottom that houses all those uh, tines that you can manually spin it so that when the tines are hanging, at least one set of the tines are hanging, they're at the lowest lowest point that they uh, they're basically straight up and down uh, and then you lower that handle so that uh, they're in the absolute lowest position and then you, there's a knob there on the side that you can turn to adjust the height and you basically want to lower the machine uh, if it's not touching the if those tines aren't touching the ground just lower it so that it's just just touching you don't want it you know uh, pressing on the ground or nothing just barely touching the ground uh, and of course if, it, if they're like laying on an angle because the machine is too low then you want to raise that up uh, so that uh, those teeth are just touching uh, the you know the bottom of those teeth are just touching uh, the uh, pavement surface so that's your first step the next step would be can your conditions. So you want to make sure that your conditions are worthy of power raking. Uh, you don't want to be power raking when it's too uh, damp or wet. And this is the question that I got uh, from both of these uh, individuals in the past week uh, was, uh, you know, could they power rake in the rain? And the uh, answer to this, for me at least, uh, is absolutely not. Um, you will... 
create such a mess and so much more work for yourself um, that uh, it's uh, totally not worth it. Um, and by so much more work, I'm not saying, um, you know, a little bit of work. I am literally saying it will be at least uh, 10x uh, of the amount of work you're creating for yourself um, by trying to do this in damp conditions. Uh, so what happens is the ground, of course, is saturated. Um, it can be muddy. Uh, you have to remember that uh, the power raking machines themselves um, are not uh, self-propelled. Um, so there's areas, of course, in some spots where um, the machine will pull itself along as it's raking, uh, because, of course, it's sort of, you know, gripping the ground through those tines and it kind of moves itself forward. Uh, but the... There's other areas like if you uh, get to a slope or a slight hill uh, and uh, it becomes, uh, you know, all you trying to push that machine. That brings me to another point. If you're trying to uh, do hills, um, that uh, this is almost um, a, uh, I wouldn't say impossible uh, thing to do. Uh, but it is a lot more work, again, because the machine is not... Um, you know, uh, self-propelled, uh, that, uh, it just becomes a ton of work. So a lot of times, um, if you're going downhill, you can't control the speed of the machine because it starts to, uh, of course you're going downhill and the machine is trying to uh, pull forward because it's raking. And if you go too fast when you're power raking, uh, it doesn't do a good job. It kind of jumps and skips over areas. Uh, so generally when I'm power raking, what I'm trying to do is basically just steady the machine. So I'm turning on the machine. I'm guiding it um, along a certain path. I'll usually do the perimeter first, just like I'm mowing. Um, and then it really depends on the lawn. Sometimes I'll just do uh, continue on doing circles all the way to the middle. Sometimes I will just go up and down and lay stripes. Uh, again, it really depends on the layout of the landscape. But Essentially, what I'm trying to do is just basically um, control the machine, steady it uh, so that it's not bouncing around everywhere. Um, so to this uh, point, um, one of the biggest uh, downsides to power raking, and especially if you're doing a ton of power raking, is uh, vibration. Uh, because that machine is pounding the ground literally, um, and it's trying to bounce around. Um, you know, I will have one hand, usually my left hand, I will have, you know, on the top handle, um, and that the, the bale, uh, the, the other little handle that you kind of, uh, uh, depress to, uh, start the, uh, tines from, uh, start the tines spinning. Uh, but if the ground is really bad or, uh, I'm trying to control the machine, I'll actually have my other arm lower down on the side of the handle instead of at the top. I'll have it down along the side and I'm actually pressing my whole forearm against the side of the handle, just trying to steady, uh, the machine and trying to keep it from bouncing. Um, uh, but this creates tons of vibration in your hands. And uh, I have gone years, just a, uh, you know, a bit of warning here. I have gone some years when I was doing, you know, tons and tons of power rakes uh, all at once. 
uh, you know, day after day after day. Uh, and, you know, power raking season, we'd be done, I'd be finished. And I would literally still have pins and needles in my hands for up to two months uh, after doing the power raking. Uh, so just a word of warning, it is very, you know, uh, tough on your nerve endings and, uh, you know, all that you always hear about the warnings about vibration and stuff on power equipment. And generally, you know, unless, uh, you're doing something like trimming, uh, in the same position for a long period of time, it usually isn't, um, you know, a big deal. Um, you know, that's sort of the only time I really experience the pins and needles now is if I'm uh, trimming a large property and you're in that sort of, you know, trimmer held position for a long time where maybe blood circulation is being cut off at your elbow that I'll get some uh, pins and needles for a little bit and they will go away after a few minutes. Um, but this I'm talking about like serious nerve ending uh, damage where it causes uh, just that vibration, those pins and needles in your hands to linger on for months after doing the power raking. But this is talking about doing, you know, power raking day in and day out uh, for, you know, say a month uh, where you're just doing lawn after lawn after lawn and multiple passes on those lawns, uh, power raking that, uh, you know, the machine, um, particularly, you know, in the conditions I was working in where it's trying to bounce around and all that, uh, and, uh, it gets, uh, pretty bad. So just like I said, a word of warning there. Uh, but, uh, generally, like I said, I'm just trying to control the machine. Now, technique wise, what uh, I'll do, like I said, I break this up into two different services, power raking. I generally will have those tines raised up a little bit. Um, so it's basically just combing through the lawn not touching uh, the surface of the lawn, uh, just, you know, slightly higher than you would be if you were power raking. Uh, and I will generally do less passes on uh, this. So I'll do maybe one pass, um, maybe two passes. Uh, and that's it for power raking. I, you know, I'm not concerned about getting out all of the thatch and stuff because power raking can be pretty, um, uh, bad on the lawn itself. It can be pretty stressful on the lawn. Um, so I call a dethatching sort of a lighter version of that. We're just loosening up what we can, uh, and cleaning that up and, uh, you know, just letting the lawn breathe a bit. What I refer power raking as is just a more aggressive form of that. So I'll have, like I said, those tines set so that they're actually touching uh, the ground surface uh, ever so slightly. Uh, and here, because like I said, it's mainly moss that we're dealing with, that we're trying to, uh, you know, get out. Um, it requires a bit more work. So it'll typically on an average lawn here will be three passes that I'm doing. So basically I do that perimeter. I'll do those stripes in the middle. All that uh, moss comes up and here the moss is so thick. It can be, you know, a few inches thick at times. And you've got mountains of stuff being left behind by the power raker. So I'll go through the whole lawn and uh, whether I have somebody helping or I'm working by myself, I go through the whole lawn and then I'll go behind and start to clean it up. Now, depending on what we're doing, I'll, uh, you know, tend to clean up. Um, if it's a smaller lawn, I'll just rake up uh, the stuff manually into piles and uh, put it, uh, you know, dispose of it. 
If we've got two people going, we'll either do that or we'll follow behind with uh, an older Honda HRC uh, 216 commercial mower with some, uh, you know, uh, shot blades on it uh, and just uh, mow up the debris going really, really slow and then just dumping the bag every few seconds uh, whenever it fills up. But it saves the sort of... Uh, a bit of the strain and uh, the hard work of actually raking it by hand after. So generally, once that's all cleaned up, then I will go and I'll do it again. So I'll go over the whole lawn area all over again. If I'm working with uh, people helping, like I say, I will start off the power raking uh, and then they'll follow behind either with the mower um, or their raking piles. Uh, the power raking itself goes pretty quick. The cleanup part is what takes the longest. Uh, so then I'll, you know, if I'm doing the backyard as well, I'll go to the backyard and start power raking those while the, you know, crew is cleaning up. Uh, if I'm by myself, then I just do it uh, in sections. Uh, so I'll clean up and do that front yard and stuff. And then I'll go do the backyard once I'm all done, uh, you know, the front yard section. But like I say, I will hit it again a second time, uh, and I have found uh, that I like going in the opposite direction. So if I'm going in one direction for stripes, I like to do the second pass in a 90 degree angle because the machine's the exact same size and you're doing, you know, the perimeter and then you're going the second pass, you're doing that perimeter again. There's areas that you can miss in between the wheels and the stripes and stuff. Um, so you generally want to go sort of 90 degrees to uh, how you went that first time. And I'll do that, uh, clean that all up, uh, do all the raking, disposing, all that. And then I will hit it a third time. Um, so by this point, there's areas that are, um, you know, because I'm dealing with moss, uh, moss is like a shag carpet. It comes up in big sections, uh, and there'll be areas where it's just dirt, uh, left behind. So if there's big areas like that, I'll avoid those on the third pass, uh, and I'll just go over sort of the troubled spots, uh, with that and then uh, do the cleanup. And, uh, once I'm done, if I hadn't been mowing up to this point already, if I was raking, um, on, you know, manually with just regular rakes and tarps, um, then I would uh, bring out the mower uh, at this point and put, uh, you know, I'd have some uh, crappy old blades on it and I would go over um, that and start to basically mow really, really short, as short as possible. Um, now, one thing you're going to find here and you're going to need if you're going to be using a mower with some blades on it um, is you're going to need a, a scraper, a good deck scraper like the Grass Buster because you are exposing soil and dirt. Um, you'll get a lot of that. Uh, at least I get a lot of that here uh, because of, uh, like I said, it being um, moss and stuff. So um, it'll start to to pack up around the deck. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll have to do some deck uh, scrapings to uh, remove all of that. The other thing to remember is, uh, if you're going to be using a mower for this, um, and like I say, I do suggest using a mower even just for the end after you've cleaned up everything, if you're going to rake it manually to at least use the mower just to basically uh, cut the rest of the existing lawn as short as possible. I'm talking like almost scalping the lawn, but not quite scalping it, right? Uh, but cutting it as short as you possibly can. Uh, and, uh, you know, leaving that sort of uh, uh, 
shaved uh, type surface there. Uh, and uh, that leaves you ready for the next steps. Now, this is like I'm talking the power raking, not your dethatching. If you're just dethatching, um, then you're going to have still plenty of lawn left. Uh, like I said, if you're dethatching, then you're not as aggressive. You're doing maybe one pass and you're just loosening up that dead yellow grass that's in the lawn and that's it. Uh, you clean that up and you're good. Maybe give it a mow and uh, you're good to go. But in an aggressive power raking to remove things like moss and maybe tons of, you know, if your thatch problem is, um, you know, to the point where uh, the lawn needs to be completely renovated, then this is uh, uh, what you would uh, be doing. Uh, at least this is what uh, I've been doing for the past uh, 12 or 13 years that has worked for me. Um, so, you know, that basically, uh, some of the things, like I said, uh, besides, um, uh, using your mower and stuff to clean it up. The other thing you want to make sure is you have dust masks on, uh, the RZ masks are great for this, uh, but, uh, regular paper masks, uh, I have used in the past as well. Uh, it kicks up a ton of dust, um, when you're doing the cleanup, if you're using a mower, because like I said, there's a lot of exposed, uh, dirt areas. Uh, and generally that's, uh, covers about, uh, you know, the power raking or dethatching portion. And this is why you want to do it in dry conditions. If it's wet, uh, if the ground is wet, it just makes it so much harder. The machine struggles, uh, to get through those areas. Uh, and then of course, all of the, uh, debris is wet. Um, it makes it so much harder for cleaning up. I wouldn't even bother trying to use a mower, uh, if it's, uh, wet, because like I said, there's dirt and stuff mixed in there. Um, it'll just clog up the mower, um, and, you know, maybe cause some excessive wear on clutch plates and things like that. So I wouldn't even bother uh, with that. Um, you know, if you were to accidentally do it in the rain and I, by no means I'm in, endorsing you to do it, uh, when it's wet, absolutely wait till it's dry to do, uh, it, uh, you know, when you're cleaning it up, like I said, your, uh, workload would be 10 X if it's wet, uh, if it's dry, even things like thick moss, once it's power raked is light and fluffy. Uh, it's all at the surface. It's all broken apart. It rakes in, you know, extremely easily. And that's why I can use like the mower to, uh, just go around and pick it up sometimes in some uh, years and some lawns. Um, when I had the uh, John Deere tractor, I was using that. So I would power rake and then I would use the John Deere tractor with a bagger kit and just suck it all up into the bags. Um, because it's so light and fluffy. Uh, so those are uh, some of the things, but generally, like I said, uh, you want to make sure you have dust masks. You want to make sure that you have some type of a scraper to use, um, to clean out the deck if necessary. Um, you want to, uh, you know, make sure the conditions, um, are dry. Uh, you're going to need rakes as well. Um, tarps, even if you're taking the stuff away, uh, we'll generally put uh, tarps down. I'll rake, if I'm doing it manually, I'll rake into piles, um, throughout the lawn. So, and don't try to, uh, combine piles and do extra raking, trying to bring just rake wherever you're at. So rake a pile here, turn around, rake another pile there, just make multiple piles all over the lawn. Um, and then, you know, you bring your, uh, uh, tarp. Um, and, uh, I generally use like a six foot by eight foot tarp, uh, something around that size. 
and uh you know i'll drag it around and then just rake the piles onto the tarp i can get usually maybe two maybe three piles onto a tarp then uh, i can haul that to the trailer over my shoulder uh and then dump it into the back of the trailer uh because you know, when I'm mowing, I leave grass clippings and stuff uh, in the cities, uh, provides these green bins, but with power raking, because there's so much debris, um, I will generally, um, you know, uh, include with my pricing the disposal fee to take the stuff to the dump because I can fill my uh, trailer, say, half uh full with one house um and uh you know i can get maybe two maybe three houses worth of power raking uh before my trailer is completely full uh, to the top and even then i'm like jumping on top of it to try to compact it down uh, so i can get a tarp over the top of it uh, so the stuff's not flying uh over the road as i'm going down the road but generally those are the uh you know methods that i use for power raking uh and then after that i would if i was doing a full lawn reno uh, because the uh you know power raking is so aggressive and they're left with basically dirt um you know i don't uh, just do the power raking if it's if it's at that point i sell them a whole package um and basically i would then aerate that lawn um i would uh put some lime and fertilizer down and then I would overseed the entire lawn uh, quite heavily uh, and then I would top dress it um, with a you know quarter inch to a half inch of uh, really good organic soil and then that was it uh, the customer would then be left to uh, you know uh, continue with the watering schedule to ensure those results and i would check in on it uh, each and every week but you you'll see the results pretty quickly after that and uh, within uh, you know eight weeks uh, two months max um, their lawn is completely filled in um, there may be a couple of spots uh, that require uh, some more seed uh, but i generally tell the client that they can't mow the lawn for at least six weeks uh, so that they don't disturb the seedling because, uh, like I said here, it's very aggressive, the power raking, uh, and they're not left with much. So, uh, anywhere they're putting the mower, they're, you know, trampling over new, uh, grass seedlings and such. Uh, the other tip, if you are dealing with, uh, moss, um, and it's, uh, an added service here is to make sure that you are selling a moss control first and you're doing that, uh, you know, a week or so in advance before power raking, um, I've done this uh, every year uh, and it's one of the things that I get uh, from clients who say, you know, their, their lawn, their neighbor power raked their own lawn last year. Uh, and now this year their you know, their lawn is covered with uh, moss and they couldn't figure out, you know, what the heck is uh, going on. And it's, and it's only after, um, you know, I've explained to them, uh, that, uh, we're, I'm going to do a moss control, uh, and then do the power raking and all those steps. And then they clue in cause they're like, well, why are you doing a moss control if you're just going to remove all the moss mechanically anyways? Uh, and then I'll say, well, because you have to kill the moss, moss will spread, uh, when it's airborne with the spores. So if I disturb that moss and all that dust is flying, uh, once, once I'm done, all those spores are just going to settle back down on your lawn. And they're also going to settle on your neighbor's lawn as the wind carries them. And then that's when the, they have that light bulb moment and they're like, ah, oh, that must be, that must explain why, you know, I've got so much moss this year because my neighbor just went and rented a power rake last year and they power raked their own lawn. Uh, but they didn't, you know, use any moss control or anything like that. And, uh, so I always explain to them, you got to kill that moss first. 
Once it turns black, then you're safe to go in there and uh, remove the moss. So, of course, uh, that's a topic there that a lot of you guys uh, probably don't need to deal with. A lot of you guys don't have the moss issues that we have here uh, in the Pacific Northwest because of all the rain. Um, but just an added uh, sort of thing, if you are in this region uh, or in a wet area that does get a lot of moss, to make sure that you're uh, killing that moss. And like I said, it's just an added service as well because, I, you know, it's a... I have to make a separate trip. Uh, and basically, this is what I'll tell people is that I'm doing the, the job in three trips. The first trip is the moss control. About a week later, I'll come back and do the power raking and aerating together. Uh, so I'll power rake, clean up, aerate, and then uh, I'll do maybe two or three houses uh, that day. And then I'll come back and do the fertilizer, the lime, the seeding, and I'll have a load of dirt with me already. Uh, and... Uh, you know, do the top dressing. So it lets me utilize my trailer in each way because when I'm power raking, obviously I can't carry uh, the soil with me as well. Um, so I'll have uh, just the machines and uh, the back of the trailer empty to carry the debris away to the dump. And then uh, when I uh, come back the following uh, visit, I'll have the seed with me, the fertilizer, uh, the lime, the starter fertilizer, the lime, uh, and then uh, I'll have uh, a load of soil with me as well and the wheelbarrows and shovels and uh, we'll do uh, and the rakes, of course, the landscape breaks to do the top dressing and basically with the top dressing just a quick tip there because it's uh, kind of similar as the power raking uh, what you want to do is you fill your wheelbarrow up uh, once you're, all your seed and everything is already on the ground you don't want to be putting seed on top of the soil you want to cover that soil so it gets good soil contact and you're only putting like I say a quarter inch to half inch of soil down uh, but basically I just go over the lawn with the wheelbarrow and I just drop tiny little piles everywhere uh, and then I'll use the back of a landscape rake so the flat end and I just spread it out uh, and just spread it out evenly uh, and I'll you know start in maybe one corner of the lawn and work my way back out to the exit uh, and uh, you know get the whole lawn covered that way so hopefully uh, I didn't miss anything there and that uh, you know covers uh, any of your questions on power raking um, as far as pricing goes I would say do not cut yourself short it is uh, singly the most labor intensive job that I do uh, of all the jobs uh, that we do is the power raking um, just the cleanup is just so intense the uh, you know controlling the machine the vibration all that stuff you want to uh, you have to deal with um, so you know there's guys in my area um, that will charge pretty cheap to do power raking I've seen you know people charging sixty dollars eighty dollars uh, for power raking um, and throughout the years, my price has slowly gone up and up and up. And I don't do as many as I used to. Um, you know, those crazy days of doing tons and tons of them and then, you know, having all those pins and needles. Um, I only do a select few now each year, but I'm charging a premium. So um on the power raking side i'm now you know charging in the 400 450 dollar range to do a power raking uh but uh you know and some guys are charging like i say 80 dollars to do that same uh power raking but you know i'm being thorough i'm doing uh the uh you know enough passes to make sure i'm getting it all out uh and then i'm also uh, doing, um, the rest of the steps as well. So the power raking portion of a lawn reno, uh, like I said, I wouldn't 
just do a power raking. I would do just a dethatching for somebody if they wanted just a light dethatching. But if we're doing aggressive power raking, removing moss, then it's sold as part of a package. Um, and uh, typically, you know, I'm in, uh, you know, I could be charging somebody uh, 11 12 1300 to do a complete lawn renovation of power raking aerating uh, fertilizing liming um overseeding and then top dressing you know doing the whole you know, from beginning to end sort of package and three separate trips uh, or visits to their home to complete all of that uh, and the power raking including disposal, taking it to the dump and all that stuff would be in that $400, $450 range. But, uh, you know, prices don't really mean nothing because it's all relative to the sizes of the property and all that. So that's why I don't like talking about prices too much because it's geographically completely, you know, different what I charge, what somebody else can charge and all that. Uh, but I know there'll be questions about it. So that's why I'll just, you know, throw uh, sort of uh, the pricing in there. Uh, so uh, that's it for this week guys here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business bye for now